Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude blooming theme? It's card number 15, the azalea representing hope. Mm, I feel like we're in need of some hope these days. The prompt is actually such a helpful one for these times. It says, take a moment to remember a time you were filled with hope. What do you need to feel like that now? How would you respond to that? You know, I just started listening to um, a new audio book called The Whole Language by Father Greg Boyle, who runs one of the largest gang intervention programs in the world. And he really has such an incredible story of how these folks who've gone through so much things that we could scarcely imagine in terms of violence and uh, incarceration and how to really uh, create a space for not just redemption, but really hope. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about that I really loved is that the heart feels both joy and pain when it's not a rock. Right. And I just, I love that sort of image of just like acknowledging like, Hey, when I can feel both the pain and the joy, it's just acknowledging that I'm not numb, right? Like that I'm not sort of frozen off. And and then he, he went on to say like, it's not about being right or wrong, but knowing joy or sorrow. And I feel like sometimes we we come at life with from a place of judgment about this is right, this is wrong. And then you kind of get to a place of like blame and really to move beyond blame is to really move to a place of understanding and then understanding that there's joy and there's pain and like how to really embrace that with tenderness. And so that for me right now, you know, I've been personally challenged this week on a couple of fronts and I wanted to really reset. Um, and so I sort of like, you know, Father Greg Boyle, he has such great messages and and I'm only on the first chapter, but it's it's definitely delivering that just, you know, there's another thing that he always says, which is ventilate the world with tenderness. And so to breathe with tenderness, like to just take a moment. And I feel like hope is just one of those things that is both so tender and so strong. I always appreciate how books are so healing for you, Omar, and how you are sharing that with me and everyone that's listening to this podcast. And A buddy calls that uh, book enlightenment. <laughs> uh, and I would say... One, just the interview that we had around this topic that we get to share later um, really brought me a lot of hope. Just hearing stories of people that have navigated something really challenging and um, have been able to go through the darkness into the light. And this uh, week we you know, are celebrating um, Independence Day in the United States. And for me... I've been reflecting on, you know, what brings me hope and, you know, the opportunity to gather with close friends who have known me for a while and um, believe in me as a person. I feel like that is the light that I've been able to receive this week is pe- just the people in my life. They, they bring me hope. 
I definitely look forward to us sharing uh, Aaron Mark's story around addiction and just the challenges uh, that he went through from an early age and and now the lessons learned of like, okay, what is hope on the other side look like? But before we do, I'm also excited to welcome the artist Arlene Kim Suda to share the NFT for this week around hope uh, and the azalea. It's just been a lot of fun, certainly a lot of extra work for everyone <laughs> to create these NFTs and to reinterpret the art and then to kind of share these practices in real time, week to week. Um, but, you know, I feel like in these challenging times that we're in, you know, I feel like there's just some consistent themes that are there. And, you know, one of those themes is around community. And so, like, I feel like our community, like, this really feels like a community of practice um, where we're each having to bring different sort of skills and gifts to the table. And then, you know, I think what also is so important in challenging times is to have a plan. When there is so much uncertainty and volatility and it's just like, okay, every week we know we're going to create this podcast. We know we're going to have some new NFTs and some new art and new conversations. And so while it is, it is a lot of work, um, it really does, I feel like, provide um, some unique uh, consistency, uh, uh, which is so important when everything else feels so volatile. It's like anchors for our collective wayfinding. Well, hey, you guys, <laughs> I have to say what gives me hope this week a little bit, no, maybe a lot, was listening to Anka's story. It seems like there is a unifying message that, you know, we get hope from others around us. This week's art by Anka is made up of four hot pink azalea flowers with bright red tender centers. The red in the center of the flowers is very concentrated, almost grounded, so each of them has this feeling that they are bursting from their core. The leaves in the background are like mysterious shadows that support the strong blooms. And the whole plant sits on a bright yellow background that look like wings from another dimension, creating a sense of movement. It's almost like there's another flower or a butterfly emerging from the background. Anka describes this work with its bright colors as a shining star of hope, like a flame that you need to tend in order to keep the fire alive. And she was trying to capture the movement of the wings of a butterfly because she read that one of the pollinators for the azalea are butterflies, big butterflies that when they flap their wings, the pollen gets onto them and disperses into the air. First, I, um, I went back to the prompt like I did for all the, the digital drawings. And I tried to find some inspiration in that. So I read the prompt and that says, take a moment to remember a time when you are filled with hope. What do you need to feel like, like that now? And I, I got these flashbacks when, from when I was younger, like 10 years ago, like moments where I was back then I was filled with hope a lot of time I don't know if it's like nostalgia or it was really like that but I remember I, I, 
I had more hope and vibrancy in my life. <laughs> and I don't know, I had hopes for the futures and traveling around the world and engaging creative projects and learn and discover stuff. And I felt like, you know, I'm unstoppable. Like nobody could tell me anything that would take me off the trail. <laughs> you know, I was like focused. And then I got really, you know, I got this sad feeling that I was, you know, hope can be also can mean disappointment and like you can have high hopes and then things don't turn out how you were hoping for them to be. Like, you know, 2020 came and then for the last two and a half years, kind of the world changed dramatically. And there's so many things going on now that kind of makes me tired in a way to, to still hope. Like I'm kind of protecting to invest in feeling hopeful. So I become more cynical uh, and like I, I have this tendency. And sometimes when I read Greta Blooming prompts, that was happening before, but it, nowadays, especially, I'm like, it's, it feels like a little bit more effort to, to tune into that good energy of the proming. But then I was like, okay, let's check Arlene's story <laughs> because for sure it's going to be something that is going to inspire me to, you know, to represent hope. Um, and of course it worked because because I read about the story of your parents and I imagined and how, how you tell the story and it's not only about hope, it's about true faith. I mean, it's, it wasn't about hope that, oh, I'm hoping to travel the world. <laughs> no, I, you need to have hope in order to go on and to create something. So I think that's a stronger feeling like faith and hope that you need to find in yourself. You, you don't just get it. You need to find the resources in order to go on. And uh, yeah, I just felt that I had still had resources to hope. And, and then I, I wanted to, you know, to, to represent this really bright and like bright yellow and hot pink and kind of this shining star of hope that I need to keep the flame alive, you know. So Arlene, what was the context around your parents for those, the listeners who didn't hear your story from the first season around hope that Anka was you know, imagining as she was painting digitally this star of hope. Yeah, well, you know, I, I went back and listened to our first episode on hope, and it's actually quite interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the story about my parents is really that they are, they were displaced. They are, were refugees uh, during the Korean War. And, you know, just when they would you know, hit moments in their life where it seemed like there was no reason to 
keep hoping something would happen. <laughs> so, you know, they would, they made it to the U.S., you know, they found each other and got married and, um, and then they had kids. And I, I think that's the story that she's referring to. I can totally picture the f- pollen coming off the wings of the butterfly. Yesterday I was on uh, a walk and I saw this dragonfly and I've been having these great sort of dragonfly connections over the last month. And so I was like, ooh, another dragonfly. And it sort of was like cruising along. And then I saw the pollen dusting off of it, which I've never noticed that before. And so it's just fantastic to hear that that was part of the inspiration uh, for this piece this week. It's just so healing to gaze at that yellow brilliance, you know, it makes me feel like how you feel on a sunny day and just sit and bathe with that sunlight. And, and I, I have been feeling this loss of freedom or this sense of just like, what's going to happen to our world. And, and there've been moments of just, um, not, not feeling super confident. And I just appreciate that we can name the despair or the loss of faith when we have it and see it as this process of tending. Uh, You know, it's like, keep caring for this thing, keep investing in this sense of hope. You know, it's, it's a, it's an ongoing process. There's, I I forgot what the turn of phrase that Anka used about sort of like it was hoped for, but it didn't quite turn out. Right. And that sort of sense of disappointment that can come with hope. Um, and I, and I, and I, I'm going to lean on sort of father Greg Boyles more on this. And he, you know, he really talked about, um, seeking connection and not perfection. And I feel like sometimes we confuse hope with perfection and if it doesn't sort of turn out the way that we want, then somehow things are imperfect Uh, as opposed to like, no, maybe hope is just the connection that we're alive and that disappointment and sorrow are part of those things. Um, And so then all of a sudden it, again, it's like moving away from a place of judgment of blame of right and wrong. Like, Oh, it didn't work out what we hoped for. And so therefore it was wrong to have ever hoped. And it's like, no, <laughs> it was not wrong to have hoped for something um, because it didn't turn out that way. It was like, okay, it's okay to feel that disappointment as well. Um, because then we know that our heart is alive and not a rock. I'm looking forward to sharing some of those parts of the conversation with Aaron Marks and the way that he brings hope through this idea of acceptance through his personal journey. Uh, Omar, do you want to introduce Aaron as someone that you've, you know, gotten to know a bit through the web three world and how your paths intersected? Yeah. So, you know, we connected through an NFT project called Meta Angels and, you know, we were just looking for folks to share their story and, you know, he has a project um, around Misfit Robots uh, NFT, which we've interviewed one of the other co-founders as well, Marianne. Um, but it was really his own personal journey um, that was 
so inspiring, you know, that he, from an early age as a teenager, uh, getting addicted to opioids and that journey of addiction and learning sort of like you don't sort of just hit bottoms, you hit multiple bottoms. Um, and, and, you know, no matter how much help or support he might've had, um, with his family, that it's still an, a, an individual journey. Um, and so, you know, it is these sort of personal stories and then folks that really have learned to sort of come out on the other side. And it's not to sort of say that like, Hey, look, this is the hero's journey. And, you know, first there was failure and now there's success. It's never that sort of simple or black and white, but sort of an ongoing thing. And really, I think his story is about the power of community. And this is what I'm you know, excited for us to share today. We came together because of my involvement with, um, you know, Misfit Robots, the NFT project, which is centered on this idea of hope, really, right, and support and around mental health and substance use disorder, or, you know, sort of any sort of kind of compuls- compulsive behaviors or addictions or whatever it is. Um, and so my my personal connection to that is that I, I am in recovery from substance use disorder for over 17 years, so since 2004. My story, I came out of that period of time, the, the early 2000s, when the, the opioid crisis was really getting started. And and I'm not unique in my origin story. I was young and I, I had wisdom teeth uh, procedure done. I was prescribed Vicoprofen. And then at the same time, it was really common. And so, you know, I became addicted to these drugs when I was a child, basically. I'm a person who is prone to substance use disorder, prone to alcoholism. With the pills, it, it took a matter of weeks before I was like physically dependent. One of my my best friends that, you know, we were friends since, uh, you know, kindergarten. We both became addicted around the same time. Uh, we both went to the same school. We both went to college together. And um, we both kind of made that pivot out of the like the painkillers and into heroin. So I was addicted to heroin. I remember distinctly that it did the exact same thing that the pills did. All of a sudden I had this new tool in my toolkit. Like now I have pills and I have heroin. I have, you know, these are these, it opened up the kind of floodgates for me to say like, oh, this is fine. This is okay. They've been lying to me my whole life. If If you really want to drive it home, like think about being very thirsty or very hungry, like, what would you do to stop? Like, at what lengths would you stop for those feelings to go away? Sometimes we forget that challenging things can come from absolutely innocent sort of decisions, and not even decisions, just like, hey, I went to go get my wisdom teeth pulled. Um, And just, again, I think, how do we take the judgment out of the conversation? Um, You know, and sort of be like, and then just even then how his story sort of evolved from there. But yeah, just wanted to capture that one piece of it. So how do we find hope when we're in the depths of the hardest times of our lives? And that's really what struck me listening to Aaron talk about how he had to grow up so quickly in his life. And and what does rock bottom you know, mean? 
and how do you pick yourself back up? And well, and I think that's the other sort of piece to this too is just the slippery slope, right? <laughs> like that all of a sudden opioids kind of all of a sudden became heroin and even his own kind of sense of like what was right or wrong, quote unquote, and then sort of realizing like, oh, this drug is just like this one. And even though I had a preconceived notion, he said like, these were people under the bridges. All of a sudden he's like, oh, it's the same thing. And so that wasn't then sort of the warning sign to like turn around. It was like, oh, great. Now I have another tool in the toolkit. I actually found out in a single phone call that a good friend of mine had died from an overdose and that my best friend since, you know, kindergarten that I had been using with for years had checked himself into treatment. And kind of going back to this idea that like, as a rational human being today, I can look at that moment and it is very clear what that is. It is a crossroads, right? Like I'm either going to die or I'm going to get, I have to get better. I have to go into recovery. Um, active addiction doesn't work like that. So instead of taking that information in and being like, oh my God, I, I need to like, I need to stop. I need to get better. I need to go to treatment. I actually got worse than I had ever been. I had never, you know, uh, injected heroin before. Uh, and within a short period of time, I became an IV drug user of both heroin and cocaine. Um, I had typically been using with other people. And after that, I primarily started using alone. Um, I completely isolated myself from almost everybody in my life. Um, fortunately, I maintained contact with that friend who went into treatment because we had been through so many things together like, you know, for so many years that I felt comfortable being able to like talk to him about what was going on in my life. And so I would share with him what I was doing and he, you know, would try to encourage me to get help, right? Like you should seek 12 step meetings or go to, you know, treatment or rehab, do, do something, get, get to the hospital, you know, you got to do something. Um, and so I think, Really a combination of those conversations, the absolute and just utter exhaustion of living in active addiction and the kind of physical and financial consequences that were starting to stack up. I sort of just like snapped and I, you know, picked up the phone. I called my family, talked to my mom and I asked for help. I think it's so easy to forget how simple and yet hard it is to just ask for help. I feel like that consistently over and over what I feel like we, we hear so often is just like, when do we give ourselves permission to kind of say like, Hey, this is out of my control and I need support. Um, and that willingness to be vulnerable, to acknowledge that, um, we don't have things under control. Um, and this is obviously an extreme sort of set of circumstances, but this can happen to any one of us in any given day of like feeling stressed or burned out or, you know, it doesn't have to be this extreme to all of a sudden just be like, I need some help. And how important it is to have someone on the other side to receive that call for help. I, I'm really struck by how 
Aaron throughout the conversation acknowledged the people in his life that were there to support him and to like that one lifeline he had with the friend that, you know, they were in addiction together. And then the friend was available to, you know, bring him out of that. It's incredible. Well, you know, and it was, he got worse before he got better again. Right. Like it was sort of like, you think you hit a bottom and then it was like, no, there, there is still more to go. And, and so I think it is also that just that reminder of, we don't ever really know when we've hit rock bottom, um, no matter what else is happening. And I think the other great thing about what Aaron shared with us was just this issue around access and privilege, right? That he had uh, a family that he could reach out to that would still take his phone call um, and that he did have health insurance. And, you know, and so it's been great to hear how he continues um, to really provide access uh, to healthcare for those who may not. You know, he got, he was able to get into recovery, but how did he stay in recovery? Because this is a lifelong process. And he shared something really interesting about acceptance. For me, acceptance is understanding my lack of control in the situation. That, that to me is the biggest part of acceptance that I need to focus on. It's like there are things that happen in this world and in my life that I don't have control over. Does that mean I'm happy about that? No. <laughs> there are things that I wish I could change and I wish I had control over. I think when I can acknowledge and accept those things for what they are, whether they're positive, negative, joyous, painful, right? Whatever those things are, if I can truly accept them for what they are, then their their power over me is limited. Just acknowledging something all of a sudden limits the power, right? We talk about the flip side of this, of noticing and naming um, and then with Livia recently nurturing, you know, but the flip side is also true, which is those things that are challenging for us. If we can notice and name them, then those things don't have the same power over us either. The importance of reaching out for help is just, you never know when it might be too late. So, so to not be vague, like my mom died of cancer when I was in recovery and it was super traumatic. Like she got very ill very quickly. I was extremely close with her. Um, it was a, it was an unacceptable moment, right? Like it's a, it's a completely like this perfectly healthy person, just like all of a sudden, like getting sick and falling apart over like five and a half months. It was, it's, it's not an acceptable thing. There's no way to like, look at that and go, oh, I can, I can accept this. This is what's supposed to happen, right? So acceptance of that for me was what can I control in this situation, right? I cannot stop her from getting more sick, right? I cannot stop this from ever having happened in the first place, but I can go visit her every single day, right? I can make sure that I take care of myself, and my sister, 
It's those little moments, those everyday moments of what can I do today? What can I do right now? And really, I'm just appreciating how much the word surrender has, you know, he's talking about sort of acceptance or what's not acceptable, but it's sort of surrender, but not in this giving up, but surrender to really what can I actually do um, and to sort of let go of what he can't sort of have control over um, and really take those, those baby steps each and every day. And that's how we cultivate hope, right? The flame of hope back to the conversation about the art and the expression of hope in many ways. It's what choices, what small choices can we still make even when we're in the face of something unacceptable, like a loved one dying. So how does this boil down to our day-to-day life? You know, I, I, Omar, I'm really loving how in this second season, we're really talking about emergent practices and the different ways that people think about a daily practice. And in many ways, acceptance is kind of like a state of mind, a, a way of seeing or approaching a situation. And it was interesting to ask him, well, what does this look like in day-to-day life? And and hear his response. In terms of like practice, you know, everybody's a little bit different. I, I admittedly am not like a, like a, a refined, like I have my set, you know, practice of like meditation and things like that. But there are, there are certain tools that, that I have and I use on a regular basis. Like one of the most important ones for me personally is like making sure I have a network of people who I trust and I feel like I can be honest with, like that I can call and, and say like what sounds so bad in my own head, like that I can get it out there and feel like I'm not going to get judged and that I can just say it because it just does not belong alone in my head, right? I need to get it out. And I need to be able to have a place to put that that's judgment-free, that's shame-free, that I can just be like, this is what I'm struggling with, whether it's big or small. Let me let me, let me just talk through it. Um, that's incredibly important, in my opinion. Um, another thing is, like, I love music. I love being able to, like, put music on and just sort of let it take me away a little bit. I appreciate his sense of community and not being alone. And, you know, again, from Father Greg Boyle, he said, see with the eyes of belonging. When we can see with the eyes of belonging, then we're no longer in the illusion of separation, right? And so when we have a community of people that we know that we can, that we belong to, and a part of that is judgment-free, that is shame-free, that we can just share the thoughts in our head that are rattling around and spiraling around. And then all of a sudden, by acknowledging those things, they don't have control over us anymore. And so, you know, just to be able to get it out and whether, you know, it's with people or with journal or in nature, or, you know, his love of music or you know, we have all these opportunities and, and, you know, and it just as we're thinking and, you know, and obviously the community practice that we have together here, well, that's what art is. It's just this 
expression of getting something out that is so deeply felt, you know, and sometimes it is sorrow, sometimes it is joy. Um, but all of it is being true to whatever that feeling that is there and, and trying to be honest with, uh, the expression of it. So for this practice for this week, inspired by Aaron and his journey of hope, I invite you to really sit with something that you are needing support with in your life. It could be something very simple, like help with moving a piece of furniture or advice on something, or maybe it's something more difficult, just struggle with uncertainty at this time or change happening, whatever that is. Just think about what is it that you need help with right now? And if it's helpful, even writing it out. For me, I need help with being more grounded this week. I need help with organizing my home space. Sometimes writing it out can help us really express what it is that we most need. If you feel complete just writing it out, that's the first step. And if you feel like you have the courage or the circle of people around you, uh, feel free to take the next step, which is to really speak that need for support. Call a friend, put an ad out on Nextdoor, maybe on Facebook. There may, may be many ways for us to just express what we need and to be available to receiving that support. What is it that you most need right now, Omar? What would you, what would be your request? You know, I, I've been called to have hard conversations of like, and, uh, conversations I never imagined I would have to have, um, exploring the deep imperfections uh, that are in life. And and then what I've been trying to do and why I started listening to the father, Greg Boyle's audio tape, was how to really listen with deep compassion, to not listen from a place of judgment, uh, from a place of perfection. Um and really come to a place of connection and to try to listen and then, but also to understand what my boundaries are and what I need for myself as I try to uh, really understand where other people are coming from. So I'm hearing that you would like to receive uh, being heard with compassion. That's actually the opposite. I, I'm the one having to listen with <laughs> deep compassion. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much to our listeners for being part of this journey of wayfinding, of emergence, as we uncover, you know, different practices, different ways of navigating our struggles in life, the joy, the pain, the sorrow, the beauty. And we really hope that you can support this podcast by 
uh, collecting this NFT art so that it brings the healing and the hope to you and your life. And also the gratitude blooming card deck. We now have a new uh, deluxe journaling card uh, product where you can actually write on the prompts and also enjoy some of the new color that's being introduced to pair with the plants and the prompts. Wishing you eyes that see with belonging. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.